Hello and welcome to Beyond Top 10 Tennis. My name is Dr. Ashley Morgenberg and I'm your host. I am the author of 11 books, a CEO of 12 years, the founder of a startup set on data privacy, most importantly, an elite performance coach of over 18 years, having worked with athletes throughout Europe, the United States to Australia. And most excitingly, I am the world's leading scientist on coach and athlete performance, specifically behind how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. My my work includes everything from mitigating injuries to conditioning behaviors that set a player up long term for the long game towards a top 10 tennis ranking. I'm behind theories from the optimal performance theory, optimal behavior for optimal performance, the barrier breaker, the rule of transference to the golden rule. As has become custom, each episode we dive into one of my books to share additional insights and dig a little bit deeper. We've been focusing on the secrets to optimal coaching success, the role of experience, optimal performance practices and outcomes in the real world with well over now 50 episodes to date. Uh, today's topic plays its own role like so many other episodes in developing the player, parent to coach for that road ahead towards a top 10 tennis ranking. So as always, buckle in and enjoy the ride. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, as always, whether, you know, if you're new, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you've been with us for some time, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Look, today's episode, it, it's actually one of my favorites. And I do say that a lot. So um, if you are new, I really would encourage you to catch up on a couple of our other episodes, especially from the Secrets to Optimal uh, Performance Success, uh, which really made up the majority of the first 50 episodes, which is incredible that we have that catalog to pull on now. And obviously, whether you are new or you've been around for, for a while now, Beyond Top 10 Tennis only came to fruition this year, um, just before mid-year. And so, which means we've only been around for a couple of months. Um, that said, we've really been making an effort to push that content through. Um, I just knew personally that if this was going to really hit the spot where it needed to, and align with my current soon to be latest publication that we'll, we'll touch on later that it really needed to start sharing more of the nitty-gritty behind that to uh, really I think unravel what's behind developing that top 10 tennis ranking and the secrets to optimal performance success uh, was my first uh, book that I wrote and it was published and it really sets and set the the foundation so I really do encourage you if you have not already to get up to speed in that respect because it really does set that baseline and I do refer to you know foundation to baseline a lot uh, more so specifically because um, those words are interchangeable but constant throughout uh, this, this body of work. And it's become more, I think, commonplace to reference that, again, because Beyond Top 10 Tennis has come to life again in conjunction with, at the same time with, so in parallel with, again, that latest publication, which is just getting closer and closer towards the release date. So I'm very excited. Um, most of the hard work has been done, but it's not done yet. Though, as promised, I think in the last two episodes now, it will be available in time for Christmas. So we are under the pump. <laughs> in the best possible way because I think it's really important uh, time-wise but also the Australian Summer Series or Australian Summer of Tennis 
is it's next up uh, it obviously starts late December early January and which pushes through um, throughout I guess that four or five week period um, that is another topic of discussion because I think we all have different opinions around um, time frames and recall one of our previous episodes on periodization around why players are unable to sustain a level of performance throughout the season and a lot of it obviously has to do with the calendar when they are expected to play and we have touched on that not that that's necessarily a focus of today's discussion but it's still worthwhile to mention given um it's just around the corner and on the wta tour for example it's their season ending championships um have just started which is going to date this episode just just a little bit and on the on the men's tour i'm sure i'm pretty sure it has either started or or it's about to start um i have not checked in the last couple of days but in my defense i really have been heads down um in that uh, let's say that writing process which kind of brings me to uh, today's episode when we're looking at individual processes. Uh, so look, if you want to follow along, we are on page 41 and today's topic is the power of song, which is very unique, I think. Uh, it's probably a bit uh, unfamiliar to a lot out there. Maybe familiar to some and if that's the case, that's wonderful. But when we're looking at uh, processes, irrespective um, in what domain, uh, when we're looking for uh, that performance spectrum, we're really looking at external um, influences that can really compound our performance outcomes. And as we do in most episodes, if not every episode, I really do try to shed light on that humanized approach. And you may ask why. And the biggest why that I, I think I have insinuated uh, on multiple occasions now is because my latest science-based publication, I will say, um, because last year was my first fictional release. But when we're looking at, obviously, nudging closer towards that top 10 tennis ranking, uh, the seven keys to optimize your life is my latest um, uh, publication in this respect. And what it... Uh, initially started to do will show how you can bridge the elite performances so those seven keys to ascertain so to grasp onto that top 10 tennis ranking but also the inadvertent lessons learned there that you transfer then in life and that's where that humanized approach essentially comes from because this current text which i'm sure in the next couple of weeks i will be able to share the title but most specifically it actually goes even further and we we are refining that top 10 tennis ranking believe it or not with the data down to eight how can you get to the top eight and essentially the discussion is around and the data we figured out which is incredibly exciting is that and, and again obviously if you are that player the parent the coach out there and you're familiar with the rankings you know that not every single player inside the top 10 at the beginning of the season is still there at the end of the season and what's really exciting about this work is that we've uncovered why uh, but most importantly, how, which means how to maintain your hold on the top 10. Uh, we do have publications, obviously, that have touched on um, a lot of the, the nitty gritty, so to speak. Um, but again, flicking it back to the processes and what's involved, I think we can have a really hopefully exciting discussion today around the power of song because it, it just really does have um, some exciting um, applications to influences that I've personally used in the past that have had wonderful effects. And if you have not already, um, let's let's dive into that to just, just dig a little bit deeper to share the why behind it. So when we are digging a little bit deeper, the why, again, behind it, you uh, learn, uh, which means individuals learn, the humanized approach to learn. So that's the player, the parent, the guardian, 
the coach, irrespective of where you fall, um, very uniquely, whatever works for you, which really uh, it compounds this work because uh, we, we do have episodes now on the modifications, accommodations, why if you have the same lesson for the same person, same athlete, player, it is not applicable, it, it is not optimised. Um, if you want to obviously progress towards that top 10 tennis ranking, why you really need to modify each and every program for that player, the importance of that coach athlete relationship building the relationship to begin with that trust um, you know we've discussed you know the power tussle what's involved there to building um, that equal balance so like an e- equilibrium in that fun sense and and how uh, a coach's pedagogy so your you know your morals your, your principles um, your, your ultimate discourse that guides you your moral compass etc what's embedded in your coaching practices how that is of absolutely fundamental and uh, we get to that saying obviously the seven keys um a number one you need that there so we have all of these moving pieces that, that are required and one of I think the, the different I think offshoots there that complements this is using those inadvertent approaches uh, the science of elite performance is one of the more heavier texts it's probably the most substantial book that I've written to date it's a very big one and it is very scientific even though I, I do make a very big effort to not have all of my books essentially scientific because I acknowledge it's really important to make sure players, irrespective of what age range you're at, that you can pick them up. Same same with coaches, etc., and parents, uh, what you are familiar with because it takes you from uh, the baseline again to the more complex but it's a, a progression just as with your performance is a progression but where I'm going to here is a uh, in the science of elite performance it touches on obviously the, the inadvertent learning processes and how we learn and I think that the underlying complexities of that for the different individuals that's just a little bit of a background to just to simplify this and when we're using a song in a sense it's, it's rhythmic and in you can sync that rhythm to your pattern of play and again it's really individual to the learner there are many different applications and song is just one of them however um, it has been seen as a very uh, common approach in a very healthy way obviously depending on what is being played so that's obviously another topic of discussion but here we're really focusing on let's say you're at a club and or a academy and you have those loud speakers let's put them to use and you can have drills for example that go for the duration of a song it's a a different level you can have noise that is um, targeted as a distraction to distract that player athlete um, to replicate that audience and or crowd atmosphere in one respect to condition them to block out external noises that's just another approach you have then if you are working on very fast quick movement you can put the power of the song so to speak um, ensure the player moves to the to the beat and when you are trying to condition a new skill especially if that athlete enjoys listening to music you can use some of their favorite songs to familiarize them with those movements and or techniques and or patterns of play and it's so incredibly powerful i wish uh, more academies clubs did it from a younger age and obviously the more elite to integrate that when and or if necessary as well there are i think incredible compounded effects what happens though in the developmental age range so specifically we've touched on it and this varies it could be from eight nine years of age uh, through to say you know that's 15 16 years of age that's just a ballpark but these are some of our peak learning phases and when we can tap into these peak learning phases by integrating new methods 
these uh, patterns can be picked up more readily at times. Now, this isn't to say it should be done constantly. It's more of a case of if you do it enough or oftentimes enough, on with the music, off with the music, on with the music, off with the music, the player's building a pattern. Just as say the pattern that you were building um, in play, so on court, how if they are looking to uh, learn uh, off the top of my head to serve and volley. There's obviously a distinct uh, movement that um, is necessary after uh, contact with the ball at a point of contact for the serve for them to then follow through into the net. And obviously time is critical and the, uh, the reaction is also critical for where the, the return is heading to ensure they're in the right position and or they're uh, close enough to the net at that given time. Now you can obviously condition different patterns in this respect. Something probably more simple slash easy in this respect could be the returner. So they are conditioning the counts of one or two or three beats um, in, in a manner of speaking from the moment the player, the server, is about to contact the ball. Then they contact the ball and then the, obviously the returner contacts the ball. So that's 1.2.3 points of inferences. And you can condition something that's a bit more readily to be adopted and or understood in this respect when you are able to condition um, timeliness in this respect. So if a child um, within this developmental age range can learn this in a fun manner, they're obviously more likely to uh, be able to recall this and it will eventually become a conditioned state, so something that's more habitual opposed to not knowing what to do. Um, and obviously this needs to be interchanged with song and no song, song and no song, song and no song. Because again, and, and this is obviously across the board, if you do something over and over and over again and it is not replicating the given environment, that's obviously where issues can come about. Because if you are used to listening to song and you are not able to listen to song during play, that obviously becomes quite problematic because that is not what the player is used to. However, I cannot tell you how many times I have been at a club or a centre, an academy irrespective, and the power of song is scarcely used. Now, you should see, if you have not tried it, how a player uh, lights up. The excitement is taken to a new level when song is integrated and so it's really frustrating um, on one side why this is not done more often because at the end of the day the player the athlete they come to train because they enjoy it and we've got an episode on the power of intent and if that player athlete is not as engaged or not as interested and they're losing focus, it is the coach's responsibility to re-engage, to help them refine that focus. And again, this is scarcely done, which is again, very disheartening because at the end of the day, we're in it, especially for the sport of tennis, to increase engagement. We want more people playing the sport for the sheer joy that it can bring. Aside, obviously, the benefits that we now know of how us explicitly to ascend towards the top. And I would, I would probably teeter on saying that with this distinct pathway now developed in tennis on how to progress towards a top 10. This is scarcely done in the sporting spectrum and all the sporting world. Um, and the the best thing I think about this work, so this research, I think that the scientific uh, underpinnings of this is that we've touched on previously, it's applicability to sports across the board. And we've touched on the correlations to Olympic performances 
there is a small insight in my latest book to come out on that but i think more so i've shared deep insights right here and when i'm saying deep insights we're really looking at i think drawing on all of the texts today so that's the the 10 specific scientific ones and everything that's been unraveled to unveiled and again with science on our side so we have to be really um concrete here and saying that uh, the majority of this is substantiated objectively and obviously partially subjectively and I have to lend that there because I think any discussion is obviously going to be subjective in some way shape or form um, irrespective if the data is there it's obviously a very different discussion if there's absolutely no data or anything to be um, substantiated from that scientific side then, then we're really just it's just opinions and obviously everyone's entitled to their opinions and they're they're all they're out there in a plenty so really what we're getting back to is being able to make sure that player athletes stay engaged and this is really important especially if you are looking at this specific pathway to ascend towards a top 10 tennis ranking this obviously can be used in other sports and i think for argument's sake that music as in the power of song is used in more sports i have seen its application in contrast to tennis it is very underutilized um, given that i have not been hands-on in other sports at this point in time not this deeply and or entrenched I cannot or I'm not in a position to share specifically uh, the impacts or those compounded effects. Though I can talk to and about tennis specifically and the compounded effects obviously when we're using the power of song and obviously with the data behind that. Now when we're specifically looking at the data we're actually pulling on varying insights from rhythm to perception to anticipation and how that we can amplify these results and something as simple as a song and being able to use its actual rhythm to um, compound a player athlete's ability to reach a certain rhythm of play uh, which is associated with specific patterns of play and then associated with different uh, speeds of movement um, so you see where I'm going and how it has a, a run-on effect in a manner of speaking and uh, whether it is the forehand the backhand the approach it is so incredibly powerful if you are trying to slow a player down to teach them more defensive skills you're going to put a slower beat on uh, in, in contrast to something at a lot more fast pace if you are warming up and or cooling down and it's for just sheer enjoyment go ahead and put their favorite songs on at that given week or day whatever that may be because you know what if they're having fun you're doing your job and you're not just doing your job you're doing it absolutely exceptionally and it obviously means they are hopefully following that long game so following the pathway in this respect um, towards that top 10 tennis ranking so recall again obviously if you are new we do have the I'm your tennis coaching guru text which encompasses 10 years of play which um, then sets the player up for the second 10 years of play so it's 20 years of, of play that has been designed in a very I think simple manner with plan lesson plans um, that I have personally used and also planners again that I've personally used and you integrate the data of the seven keys at each um, incremental milestone and this is how we form that pathway to ascend towards that top 10 tennis ranking obviously if you're not integrating the seven keys then it, then it loses its uh, punch it, it loses uh, that explicit pathway to that top 10 tennis ranking because to get there that is where obviously those keys are absolutely fundamental all right, I think that was a really healthy uh, introduction in this respect today. So look, if again, if you want to follow along, we are on page 41. For every action, we know there is a reaction. And because of this cause-effect relationship, condition responses are ingrained in each and every one of us from the time we are born. 
sound a little far-fetched? <laughs> this is a direct consequence of our surroundings. With hundreds of actions done on a daily basis, we are conditioned to an autonomous nature. You do not have to actively think, you innately respond or react to these instances. Now this is really interesting because it touches on that innate ability uh, from what we are born with to what we are exposed to and how we are able to build habits depending on what we are again exposed to so that cause effect relationship and then we have that cause effect so what causes us to respond a certain way and in this case a certain lyric to a song might empower us to play a certain way and or a specific beat and it's different recalls and I'm sure uh, I'm not alone in saying there are a lot of powerful songs out there and lyrics that take people to different places uh, and that is obviously dependent on their personal experiences and obviously the different connotations they give to those lyrics and or songs. Now what is stopping that player athlete to that coach from drawing on that? pulling on that and applying it to your performance because that is where we're going here so you have a certain song that you're able to take you to a different experience and or moment in time of your performance which means it is associated with that outcome you are having the best game of your life and you hear this lyric and you want to replicate that and that lyric is so incredibly powerful you're comfortable with having that played over and over and or it could be that beat so you find that beat and you build on that rhythm to amplify your performance and yes this can be done it has been done and it is encouraged and it is gobsmacking why it's not done more often and it is really uh, powerful personally when I have done this with my players to athletes irrespective of where I've been based around the world it is incredibly rewarding but also powerful and I think most importantly as I touched on earlier is that the sheer joy you will see from that player athlete when they're allowed to or <laughs> empowered to <laughs> listen to their favorite songs and or music whilst playing it can be incredibly powerful obviously again as i've touched on earlier it's not something to be done constantly because we still want to empower that player athlete to work with their thoughts so their internal thoughts and being able to have the silence there but it's also a very interesting discussion then to be had with every player athlete is going to be individual in this respect and their thoughts when they're playing could be completely in sync with uh, the match and or game and or the session or <laughs> that player athlete and it really doesn't depend on what age they're at they could be 12 13 years of age they could be 22 23 years of age and if they're in a session and they're not zoned in um, they could be thinking about what's for dinner <laughs> and I know as funny slash ironic as that potentially sounds it can be incredibly true um, at some points in time and when that uh, potentially is a thought process so linking back to the very beginning of the episode we want to snap them out of it that it's we want to retrain their mind to focus on what's in the here and now and oftentimes what can happen and this is also gauged from personal experience as I used to do this uh, a long time ago though as well it really can uh, block out those thoughts so instead of actually thinking about your performance you're really pulling on your autonomous nature so obviously th this specific paragraph has touched on that you know conditioning to a level of autonomy so that again that autonomous nature if you're following along and we're blocking out all distractions but we're also blocking out in a manner of speaking uh, that process so the thinking process here and it's very um, good for coaches to do this in a different way because then you get to see what level a player has reached autonomy at and or if this is their fallback 
what their autonomous um, play is, their patterns are, it's feedback for you to go, all right, if this player, if this, this player athlete is completely distracted, so we're uh, explicitly relying on their autonomous nature here um, because they, the, the, those thoughts are blocked out, again, in a manner of speaking, we're able to rebuild and or pull apart slowly that level of autonomy because you, you reach that state um, and for those who are not familiar obviously autonomous is an inaction you do without thinking whether it is brushing your teeth for example uh, most out there are probably not thinking how to do that because you're accustomed to that, that that's just a very simple example and there are walking for a lot of us it is just very autonomous we don't need to think about putting one foot in front of the other uh, without falling over these are very uh, vague and, and generalized examples so when we um, transfer that obviously to the tennis court we're looking at what strokes um, or and or technical parameters are automated in that player and when we get to see that from that coach's lens we can better ascertain no that is not where I want their um, autonomous nature to be we need to make changes here uh, whether they are incremental or more significant it is a, a very um, clever move to be able to pull on to pull a player's a game apart uh, progressively because obviously if there is that auto, that level of autonomy there it's very um, hard to pull apart it is a uh, it's a, a process done over time compared to skills that a player um, they're learning so they are not obviously at that stage they're more readily able to be pulled apart because they have not reached that stage and this is a really good discussion again to be had when uh, coaches are out there uh, and their players their athletes are performing but they you are not um, overseeing them on a regular basis which means if you are not able to view what they are doing away from the court um, they could potentially be using an incorrect technique over and over and over again, which means they could be hitting 500 to 1,000 balls within the space of a given one, two hour period, for example. It could be a lot more, potentially a lot less, depending obviously on that level of play. And if, for example, they are contacting that ball behind them and they're doing that a 1,000 times a week, then of course tennis elbow is going to be um, the offshoot there and that's almost a given sooner rather than later and that is where obviously this work is um, and myself gets very passionate about that because these injuries that occur too often in whether it's the junior ranks to elite ranks they can be mitigated um, obviously the what is your game missing to win series really highlights I think the the injuries and the prevalence of them and how to make sure we can mitigate them and then the seven keys to optimize your life builds on that um, this latest text really takes a, a step, a pivot aside from that. We're not focusing on injuries in a manner of speaking. We are focusing on that top 10 tennis ranking and that explicit pathway and the moving pieces involved in this respect. So these, are, I think, the prior texts, obviously the building blocks, which you, you need to be able to get there in, in the first place. But again, when we're looking at that level of autonomy and that humanized approach again, this happens in day-to-day -day life where it, whether irrespective of what your profession is there is always going to be a level of autonomy if you've been in, in a role for a period of time so that, that child actually is no different they will reach a level of autonomy because that is what they are used to if you do this however um, at a, a developing athlete say they're 10 11 years of age but they've been playing for two three years and they've reached a level of autonomy by that 11 12 years of age and you can see they're hitting the ball behind them you you want to pick them up on that immediately because if you don't by the time they're 15 16 they're going to have um, potentially quite serious issues in this respect and this is a contributing factor why we see a lot of uh, players within that 16 17 
year age bracket, they drop off. Um, some sooner, some a little bit later, but that they fall right down and they stop playing. And more often than not, it is because of those injuries, but also because of, again, um, the growing body, which we do have episodes on and uh, accommodating the growing body to making sure you are making those modifications to account for that because again if that player um, is growing taller that's a just a simple example that what we understand happens a lot during obviously adolescence which is obviously included within that developmental age range um, and potentially they are hitting at a very uh, powerful so uh, increased speed within that age range just as an example and if they are not bending their knees um, to offset that low they're just using their upper body so they're not uh, taught to conditioning that lower body and potentially they're going through that growth spurt so they have pains in their knees and if you are not slowing that ball down and that pace down to slowly I think uh, modify that player's game to get them used to a given technique that is obviously there to help their game, not hinder their game. And obviously we have a lot of work and data behind that. If that player is purely conditioned just to rely on their upper body, um, you can see where I'm going and it's very problematized in this respect because that is where they end up getting pushed back off court, they end up catching the ball later and whether it's the wrist uh, and to elbow to shoulder that it takes a lot of the, the brunt of so the joints in this respect opposed to using that lower body to offset in a manner of speaking the, the, the pace to the power of that ball then for the um, we're looking at I think the biomechanical side in this respect so it can get a bit complicated however just to simplify it we want that player to uh, obviously utilize their whole body and when they're going through these phases to stages and if this is not done again injuries can happen and again if we do not catch them before this uh, state level of autonomy has been reached they become even more susceptible that said, autonomy can happen at different phases, whether it's with a footwork, it is where it's just how they move, it's it's across the board in, in respect to multiple movements. But again, this is why it's so important to be able to catch them early. Again, if you have that player that is, you know, 16, 17 years of age and they are progressing and they're looking at heading towards, let's say, the top 800, 600, 400 in the world and they're, they've been making incredible progress, they are following the pathway towards that top 10 tennis ranking. But if the right steps have not been put in place, and their technical parameters are compromised they are most likely unfortunately and there's a very high probability here that they're going to hover around that 400 range or they're going to regress because of one an injury or incorrect technique so the incorrect uh, inferences there associated with the top 10 tennis ranking which obviously means their opponents are going to progress and that player is going to most likely be quite upset or confused why they're at a rankings plateau. We have a couple of our previous episodes have discussed the, the ranking plateau. Uh, most explicitly, I think the, uh, the last two, three episodes, so I'd encourage you to tune into them to, I think, better ascertain in this respect. But when we're looking at, obviously, the power of song, it is so important be, to be able to utilise it, to pull, pull up on these, I think, these autonomous um, actions, but it's also incredibly rewarding. All right, on to the next one. To use a simplistic example, when crossing the road, you typically will look right, then left, then right again before crossing. The reciprocal for the opposite way of traffic. Obviously, this is if you're based in Australia or on the left side driving of the road, but everyone else out there, if you are, then it's obviously going to be the opposite. You do think traffic awareness without even thinking twice about it. And, and I hope so. <laughs> An entirely different example, yet cause effect can be identified in tonations. That is, you can recognize certain behaviors and emotions through the sound of a person's voice. For instance, as a child, you would have been aware of different tones your parents would have used when calling out your name. There would have been in trouble tones, looking for you tones, or 
excited tones. The thing is, to every action, there truly is a reaction. As a result of this action-reaction, we are able to train ourselves and others to react to a given action. This is incredible and I'm so biased here in the best possible way because again this really feeds back into the song aspect and granted this is obviously what this section is about of the chapter when we're looking at that song but it's the perfect example if you can recall irrespective what age you are if you are that 12 year old if you are 32 years old or you're a lot older it does not matter you are going to be able to refer to those tonations in different ways whether it is your mum or dad and and, and their uh, the different tones they make and or your guardian or it is your partner uh, it is your husband and your wife irrespective of those tones it's the person and the varying connotations associated with that and it is so simple then using that example to again uh, i think one of the themes of today's episode is again that compounded effect and we can get that again through the power of song and obviously it is very um you want to be able to pick the song right and not that there is a right and a wrong i mean i would argue there are probably some wrong in this respect but again obviously it's open to interpretation you want to be able to use the the song that resonates with that play athlete the most if there is a group and you are coaching you know that four five six uh, on one over one two course it could, could be obviously substantially more you still want to be very mindful of i think different attitudes values beliefs in this respect so the i think the 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 overall discourse in this respect and this is just really um targeted towards the developmental age range typically you want to obviously uphold the responsible pedagogic practices in this respect so we would hope that if there are lyrics that have some uh, less than designed words so some offensive words in this respect that those songs are not going to be used i would encourage you to use the more positive songs and especially when we're looking at performance and more conducive performance metrics and developing them you want to pull on the positive tones the positive tunes to build that so it's really steering towards happy uh, conducive in this respect to then the ones that have specific beats um, and even potentially more um, uh, other approach in this respect is to remove the lyrics um, if you have a very diverse crowd um, to make sure I think you're trying not to upset anyone but again I think you can't always make everyone happy that said though obviously if you have those one-on-one sessions you want to leave it to uh, the athlete and that coach-athlete relationship should be able to tap into that but again let's pull on that triangular relationship with that parent and or guardians involved to be able to have a fun discussion in this respect because again within that developmental age range there's a very good chance that mum dad parent guardian is going to understand you what that player the child is obviously most interested in in this given time and this is going to really vary from age to age you could have a very young player within that you know four five six years of age that they're developing and they could potentially be very hooked on frozen uh, very hooked on a specific disney lyric and or tune and if that's what's fun for them then you roll with it However, it's going to be very different again for that 15, 16, 17 year old and the, you potentially want to um, hold on to a heavier beat that they're really going to enjoy, but it could be incredibly different. Um, so I think it's really important to not necessarily go with what you, so to the coaches out there, what you like, what you enjoy um, specifically to ask the players, athletes, what they do. And then obviously for some fun definitely definitely play obviously if it's within the bounds of the refines of of what we're discussing play what you like because I have personally found as well that most players athletes do enjoy having a laugh off obviously at the coach's expense in this respect Um, and this really depends on the rapport you've been able to build again with the player and or athletes 
and obviously the specific environment that you're in but I really would doing it would encourage you to have a bit of a play in that respect how do we go about training or rather conditioning human behavior to respond in a desired context used in sports coaching universally players athletes are coached to respond for their chosen sport through this coaching a player athlete begins to learn and thus knows how to react to a given action these reactions or behaviors are progressively conditioned in players or athletes if the coaching process accommodates the players or athletes learning needs for example in basketball the beginner player will learn to track the ball to see the ball to observe the ball with one main objective to stop your opponents the opposing team from scoring as in most team sports now I think we're going to finish on that one because basketball as an example is always fun because there's so many I think lessons there for other sports and we do have episodes on sister sports and sister sport interactions and basketball for the tennis player can be incredibly rewarding not just for the team component there and learning how to work not just by yourself and this is even for the singles player because we talk about team in previous episodes more early on about the player the coach and the parent guarding that triangular relationship that's your team and it can expand at times to your closest friends um, but also maybe even you know your fellow players as well are included in that in, in the best possible way but then also you know different strategies in this respect as well I'm a very big believer that there are lessons to be learned off most sports for other most sports because the crossover can be really rewarding and when we're really looking at the skill development that's incredibly powerful but we can look at the power of song in this respect to even basketball and then the incremental steps from the beginning phase from scoring that that we just touched on in that example to in tennis what is I think tracking the ball is very important but it's really about learning that hand-eye coordination uh, without the racket and then with the racket to begin with um, and, and we again we do have episodes on obviously developing the discrete skills to the serial skills but where we're going as we're trying to wrap today's episode up is when we're looking at song obviously we can look at the atmosphere in a basketball crowd it can be incredibly astronomical um, in contrast to I think a tennis crowd however if you're in a semi-finals or final or a very rowdy audience it's very different and you can have similarities although given I think basketball typically is in that indoor environment and tennis uh, typically is more so outdoors pending rain delays of course um, it, it is very different and if you can get really used to that noise and to really feed off that that is very beneficial I think for I think that basketball play in that context however for the tennis player it's very versatile because most athletes are conditioned without the noise because most tennis environments have a, a minimized noise especially during play where it obviously is encouraged to have no noise uh, typically during a, a play however being able to know what distracts you and then uh, fine-tune that as in using the power of song to enable you to be less distracted in a manner of speaking can be incredibly rewarding so irrespective if you're exposed to a quiet environment and or one with noise your play uh, remains uncompromised in the best possible way which is incredibly exciting and rewarding and this is our chance to wrap today's episode up when you are on the pathway following the long game towards that top 10 tennis ranking Thank you so much for listening today. Um, I thought I'd take that opportunity 
at the very end there to wrap things up normally i don't lead i think with a segue or insinuate or hint towards it that we're coming to a close but it's always a bit of fun to drop just something a little bit new in there obviously if you've been listening for some time now you're very familiar with that i really do try to i think have that touch point um if you are new um again i'd encourage you to listen to a handful of our previous episodes um i i'm sure i'm positive it'll be um worthwhile um, but again I, I like to think there are really light-hearted aspects of these episodes because I think at the end of the day um, when we're heading towards that top 10 tennis ranking by all means no it does not have to be all serious um, I think having fun along the way is incredibly important and again that humanized approach irrespective in tennis and or in life uh, look to grab your copy of the secrets to optimal coaching success head on over to AM8 International that is am8international.com for any comments or questions head to AM8 or topic thread that's the social platform set on data privacy uh, to interact with beyond top 10 tennis head on over to twitter threads linkedin or instagram to catch up on our weekly coaching tips head on over to tiktok and of course to catch up on our blogs i do uh, write them personally every week and you can access them directly on AMA international just head on over to our blogs tab or to medium um, and interact with our audience over there it's always incredibly fun to hear from you all and and to interact as well so for those of you who have thank you so much and if you want to please do so i really do try to check all the social accounts uh, myself personally uh, so please reach out and say hi and look of course I will leave all of the links in the episode notes uh, for something different head on over to pink octopus books that's where my fictional release is uh, to view this week's question and poll be sure to visit Spotify if you're listening on one of our other platforms um, or for something left of field visit Spruik for some random polls and of course, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, like, share, and or all of the above would be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, for those of you who are interested, we do have scholarships available on AMA International, as well as options to work with me exclusively to optimize your performance, to nudge you a little bit closer towards that top 10 tennis ranking. They, they are limited places, so they are incredibly exclusive. So please, if you're serious, don't be shy. Come and say hi so you don't miss out. On that note, thank you so much for listening. I am so incredibly grateful. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Morgan-Burge, and this is Beyond Top 10 Tennis, and I'll see you next time.